welcome Misha Santa Barbara to How to Build a Village to our Olympic special. I'm so excited to talk to you about your experience volunteering at the Summer Games. I was so impressed when you did this five years ago. And of course, I'm thinking about it now with the Tokyo Games upon us. So I'd love to hear from you what it was like and what inspired you to become a volunteer. Sure. So great to be here and great to connect with you again, Jill. So growing up in Prague or in the Czech Republic, Olympics was always a huge event for me. I mean, not as an athlete. I've never, <laughs> never been an athlete. or I've never even inspired, been inspired to go and compete. But I, it was always a family event. And it was sort of an international event to watch and always watched as a family. And even when my own family, when I had my own kids, um, it's a really big deal for us just to like gather together, you know, cheer for everybody. And I always wanted to somehow experience what it's like. It feels from the TV and from all the excitement as an amazing place to be. So I um, was trying to find a ways of how to get involved without competing or <laughs> going through all the rigor of what the athletes have to do. And this seemed like the more easiest way to do that. Uh, I did try before to uh, somehow get engaged more like a full-time job, but that seems to be sort of a path nowhere. So volunteering uh, was kind of on my own terms. I didn't need anyone's really permission. Uh, they were open for thousands of people to join them and be part of it. Just seems to be a, a, the right way to engage. And when the Rio Olympics came along, it just felt like the right time and right place to give it a shot. So I decided to start on the volunteer path and explore how to how to go to Rio as a volunteer. Well, you, you, you hear so much about the community of athletes during during the Olympics and less so about the community of so many volunteers from around the world, which are needed who are needed to uh, to make the games happen and what, what was it like was there a feeling of camaraderie amongst the volunteers and where were they all coming from it it was it was fascinating uh so my first kind of a touch with the volunteering community was through the interviewing process so there's an actual interviewing process you have to go through to be a volunteer now it's not super rigorous it's not like you're interviewing for a job it was more of a you know, it was on Skype, clearly, and it was six of us from six different countries. And we had a little exercise of, you know, come up with a little jingle for and if you were on an Olympic team, how would you enter the stadium, which was a bit of a fascinating because we were we literally just met on the Skype. Uh, so we started working together, the enthusiasm and just the happiness to be part of this you know sort of from an outside but kind of in an inside was clear just from there we all started sort of chatting and you know talking and trying to see did you already get your assignment or like did you where do you want to work so that was the sort of a start once I got there um, I actually ended up volunteering for Paralympics uh, I declined the Olympics invite for sort of family reasons. My daughter was starting kindergarten the first day of the Olympics and uh, I wanted to be at home. So instead of 
uh, I got two invites. I think all of us got two invites. One was for the Olympics. One was for the Paralympics, which was right after. I chose to go to the Paralympics only. And that community was fascinating. First of all, there was... um, there wasn't that many foreign volunteers. The Paralympics are a little, they're kind of undercover. They're not, they're not getting as much attention typically as the Olympics from the media and from the TVs and from the personality stories and about the athletes, at least where I am, where I'm sitting, I've never learned that as much about Paralympics and the athletes as I did about the Olympics. So I think that has a little bit of a different flavor to who participates. And from the community perspective of volunteers, it was mostly Brazilians, which was a little bit of a challenge because I don't speak Portuguese um, and they didn't speak much English. But there was still, even locally, there was tremendous amount of pride of still hosting from the Brazilians, hosting the Olympics, what they put together and just being part of it. None of us are getting paid. Most of us, you put your own money into it. You fly yourself in there. You have to find your own accommodation. So despite that, there is this sort of a pride and just sort of an infectious optimism about being there and just you know, being part of something that you never thought you probably would be. So it does sort of, I don't know, bubbles with um, that level of, I'm so happy to be here. Everyone is always smiley and happy. It's sort of a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre place for, for two weeks. Everyone is just excited and happy to do what what's needed. And what sort of roles were you performing while you were there? Did you, did they sort of give you a specific job assignment before you started or were you supposed to do a, wear a bunch of different hats? Yeah. So you, you do based on some of your credentials, right? So I, I have a professional normal corporate job. Uh, so that was what, you know, my credentials were, which for Olympics may not be necessarily the best, but so I was willing to do anything, honestly. I basically checkmarked a couple things, except like I could probably cannot do any medical stuff, right? I don't have any medical degree. So there's a couple of things that you check that you're willing to do. And then when, when they send you the invite, it says, you know, you'll be on the events team or you'll be on the customer service team or, you know, there's a couple sort of functions. And mine was sort of the events team, which gave you a d- different color of outfit. Every sort of medical folks were in certain color and the event folks were in certain and the customer service. And I was basically uh, doing anything around the venue, which means I was at the ticket booth. I was scanning the tickets. I was helping people get around. I was um, I was at two sports. I was at the uh, tennis. So wheelchair tennis was my arena. And then I was in the blind football which was fascinating experience for me. Uh, and basically I was letting people in, showing them to the seats. For both of them, uh, there's a lot of rules that don't apply in the regular sports. For football, for example, you have to keep people quiet because the blind contestants are following the bell inside of the soccer ball. Oh, wow. So they're actually playing based on their hearing, not their sight. 
So uh, my job was to keep the audience quiet, which to be honest, you know, if you think of Brazilians and soccer together, keeping them quiet <laughs> was quite a challenge because you're naturally, when you see the player running towards a goal, you start cheering and you'd want to, you know, go and like help them and be encouraging, but you have to keep them quiet because that's where they're following the bell and the, and the loud noises from the audience, they will lose track of the ball. So my job was to basically constantly shush them, <laughs> calling myself the chief shusher. <laughs> uh, like just everybody just shh, shh. So it was fascinating. Uh, so you just rotate from the venue, right? You just direct people. But what I loved about it is you get to meet thousands of people and you're constantly interacting with those people. So I, I loved it. It was my sort of first customer experience jobs outside of maybe college uh, where you're directly with the, with the people. Uh, and it was, it was lots of fun. It was lots of variety too. And so were you able to watch other events where you weren't actually working? I mean, were you offered access or anything else for your time? Yeah, you, so you don't get any special privileges when it comes to, um, you do get two tickets for free to some event that probably wasn't sold out. So you don't get like the final for the basketball or something that's very hot. But to be honest, in the Paralympics, it wasn't as crowded as Olympics probably were. Uh, they actually had a hard time attracting the audience. So they started giving away or selling the tickets to the local schools and Brazilians who couldn't afford to go to the Olympics, which the tickets were prohibitively priced. So it filled up. So we did get, I think I got a tickets for wheelchair rugby which was, I mean, honestly, every sport I went to watch was absolutely fascinating. And I, I was almost ashamed how little I knew about what pe those athletes can do. And I also went to watch swimming. I bought those tickets. Uh, I purchased a couple of tickets. So I think I went to see the, the swimming. I saw tons of um, blind football and tennis. I think I also went to basketball and possibly volleyball they started to kind of mingle all together I tried to stay within the venue I was working the Olympics had multiple venues across Rio so I didn't want to sort of travel so I kind of stuck to my uh, area which was mostly the team sports and the aqua um, the water sports so yeah I got to see some of it and uh, I think that was even more uh, fascinating just to see the successes and the families and um, just what those folks can do. I'm so impressed that you did that and just went on your own and took that initiative. Is, is it something that you would want to do again? Oh, absolutely. I, I've been actually looking at the Tokyo Olympics um, uh, for a while. And then when things started getting a little crazy with COVID and just, I was like, well, maybe this might not be the right place, right time, and probably the right thing to do since I don't think they're uh, allowing spectators or volunteers from outside. I am uh, looking at the next Olympics, which I think is Los Angeles or Paris. I, I it, It's getting a little mixed up in my head, which one it is. I'd like to do it with uh, my son, my oldest son, who will be over 18 and see if we could do that together 
or with my husband or, you know, together with someone who is willing to just do that as a fun experience. Um, so yeah, I, I loved it. I think it was a great way to see uh, how it works and just the the atmosphere and how the cities transform. So absolutely, I'd love to do it again. It's it's great. And and will you be watching all of the games? Oh, I'm I'm so psyched for the games. I've been looking up all the um, Olympic teams here. I've been watching the trials for the U.S. Um, Brian, my husband, is coming over. I'm here in Prague in Czech Republic, so we're looking to buy some Czech Olympic gear. Uh, and definitely watch. I, I did have a chance to, when I was there, to actually go to the opening ceremony for the Paralympics, which was at the Maracana um, Stadium, which on top of everything else was absolutely stunning experience to be there with 70,000 um, Cariocas, which is the, re- the citizens of Rio or people that were born in Rio, and just seeing them being so supportive and cheering their own team, but cheering pretty much any team that walked on that turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was just one large party. I've, I, I was still, uh, my friends, I'm like, it was the biggest party I've ever been to. <laughs> 70,000 cariocas at the stadium and everyone just singing. It was just wonderful, very, very emotional, especially when the Czech team went by and you just saw the support. So it was fantastic. So, yeah, absolutely want to go through that again. And I (laughs) I, I love that you said um, you didn't speak Portuguese. It sounds like you picked up quite a lot. I picked up quite a lot. I So I don't speak any Portuguese. And when I was doing that, you have to pass language tests as part of the interview. Uh, and they were rather rigorous. And, and I, I, I was actually laughing as I speak Russian as well. I used to, you know, study it quite a bit. And somehow through the test, that turned out to be my number one language. So they were very eager to put me somewhere where the Russian delegation was going to be, which was shocking to me because I haven't spoken it for 30 years. Uh, and they did ask me to take tests for pretty much any language I'm willing to. And then they will put me... And Portuguese, I basically said, listen, it's not even worth it. I don't speak anything. <laughs> and it's not like, uh, so, but I took some basic stuff. And after two weeks of working, I was very good at sort of getting people around. I figured out like how to put people to the bathroom, right? I, where the food is, where the drink is. I was very conversational when it comes to sort of a very basic Portuguese stuff. <laughs> and especially in uh you know, I don't speak Portuguese. I only speak English. That was my like number one phrase. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you're looking at tickets and scanning tickets, all you're saying is bon dia, bon dia, bon dia, bon dia. You're just saying, you know, the same thing over and over. Uh, but it was great. I love languages. So I picked up some of it, uh, but I did not continue with that. Portuguese was pretty challenging. So... Well, I'm I'm so impressed at what a global citizen you are and <laughs> how you applied your background to helping out. That's so great. And I'll, I'll be thinking of you when I cheer on the athletes at the Paralympics and Olympics this, this summer. I will too. I know you were a part of the London Olympics, or at least you were in London or 
I yeah. remember you actually sending me some Czech gear from London Olympic store. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I forgot about that. I was packing and I saw it in my in my uh, clothes and I was like, I should probably pack that just to represent. <laughs> It is so magical, isn't it? I mean, a city that like London that I knew very well, so just transformed and everyone's so happy, like you were saying, and people gathered on street corners, watching these big TVs that had been set up, cheering, coming together. It's just so wonderful. And I, I mean, yeah. it'll be nice to go back to that kind of atmosphere. I know Tokyo will be different this year, but um Olympics are so so wonderful so exciting. yeah it, it is it, it, the, the people you meet and you know in the I was I was actually really loved the fact that since there was mostly Brazilians working I really got to meet a lot of Brazilians and people who just grew up there and lived there and came from all over Brazil to work there because they also wanted to be part of it and they were so proud to, that Brazil got the Olympics and that they were part of it and um just, uh, you know, you eat in a communal way. There's a communal area where all the volunteers are eating. So you sort of sit next to other people and you're, you know, me with my very broken Portuguese and they try to speak in Spanish. Um, it's just the, you know, magical way you're on the subway, the transport, the bus is always with volunteers because there's a specific sort of a, uh, just for the volunteers, it's 50,000 people. So you need to have a lot of, so it, it was just amazing to just talk to them and why you're here and you know where you're working. And it, it, it's just, everyone's there for the same reason, right? And it's, uh, it's a genuine interest in the games and just trying to get to know each other, help and be part of it. Did you say 50,000 volunteers? I think that was, that's including with the Olympics, right? Uh, for the Paralympics, it was definitely less. But it was in thousands of volunteers. When I was applying, I remember thinking like, how am I, am I going to make it? How are they going to do it? And then when I saw the numbers, which was over, I think it was in 45, 50,000 volunteers. I was like, that's a tremendous amount of people uh, to feed, to uh, to dress, right? Not, they don't have to house you. They don't have to fly you there. But just, you know, organizationally, it, it, it's tremendous. You see just a lot of green jackets and green people everywhere trying to direct traffic and in the buses and just everywhere. The whole city is full of volunteers. It's not, not just the venues. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of people to organize and get together and hopefully to show up. One of the things that I was very surprised when I was picking up my uniform, the one of the ladies was like, we're so glad you're here. You know, only about 25% of the volunteers actually show up. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's a pretty low number. And she was like, yeah, like some of the folks just pick up the uniforms and then they never go to work. There's no way to enforce it. And I was like, that's a really tough problem to, to deal with. How do you staff, you know, and how do you make sure things are working if you don't know if you rely on a volunteering workforce <laughs> that really doesn't have to show up. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was interesting, just some of the challenges to really organize something like that. So it works. Gosh, yeah. It's like creating a temporary city. Yeah, you would absolutely do. And yeah, so tons of challenges from security perspective, just, you know, the uniforms, those were some very nice uniforms. I, I still wear it. I 
actually have the bag. Oh, I, I love that you got to keep the uniform. Look at that. <laughs> I still wear it. It's, it's such a good bag. It's over the shoulder. I still wear it. Um, and it, I almost forget it's from there. And people always ask me, like, did you go to Rio? I was like, yes, I did. I always wonder, how did you know? And then I'm like, my bag. I love this bag. Yeah, you get to keep it. And you got a full outfit. You got five t-shirts, two pants, sneakers, bag. It was a full-blown, you know, if you were there working for three weeks full-time, you had to have clothes for changing. So it's quite a logistical uh, event to put together. So that was another sort of, you know, coming from a corporate world where you think things are complicated when you work. And then I see this, that someone can put event like that together. It was very impressive. And went smoothly too. It went smoothly. And, you know, for the Rio, there was, there's, and maybe that's always like that for some of the countries who are first time hosts, there's always a lot of media about how things are not ready and this and this. And I was very impressed with the Rio logistics and organization, the transport, everything worked perfectly. I mean, there was nothing uh, and the subway went right where it needed to. The everything was running super smooth. We all got like a transit cards, and um, it was it was a well-oiled machine. Now, as I hear, because I was staying with a friend, things have kind of fallen apart after. I think it was sort of a lot of high <laughs> and a lot of attention and a lot of money, and uh, things couldn't be sustained at that level. So things. And it was always in the back of my mind, those tennis arenas and the pools. And some of them look temporarily in a way that you can kind of take them down. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those things were humongous venues that probably will take a lot of money to sustain. So I was always wondering what's going to happen with this huge event um and sort of how are they going to use it after you know coming from atlanta and you know you see the leftovers from the olympics everywhere around the city and you don't even realize these apartment buildings in the village or some things um i was always wondering you know how what are they going to do with some of that uh, but it's you know it was i was very happy you know just was very safe a couple of my work schedules ended very very late especially the final for the tennis wheelchair which by the way was won by brits i think oh. <laughs> um it was midnight and you know rio doesn't have a great safety reputation so uh, i was a little hesitant in the beginning but after a while i saw you know the safety and the security and everything i was not concerned about going home wouldn't want to do it every day but I didn't think that was an issue at all I think that's so amazing you did that what what great stories well (laughs) well, thank you for sharing the experience I look forward to trading stories about our remote watching of Tokyo yes absolutely go UK go (laughs) US and go Czechs (laughs) (laughs) 